fourth and manageable, an SEC football podcast brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. All right, now happy to be joined by Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel. And Mike, uh, this is a, a rivalry with Tennessee and Florida that, uh, for those who are old enough to remember, used to be one of the biggest rivalries in all of college football for a time. How big is this game still to Tennessee fans? I think it is still huge, and I think it's exactly from what you said. I mean, this matchup through the 90s was basically a top 10 matchup routinely with massive SEC title consequences every single season. Uh, That's what this fan base, the older portion of it, but I'm I'm 34, and that's what I know it as, too. (laughs) So I'd like to not think of myself as old. Uh, So (laughs) I think even if if you just grew up in the 90s, you kind of know that this game had a huge impact every single season, and – yeah, I think that that's kind of the vibe that, that Tennessee fans have about it still is that this is still a massive deal, even if they have lost 16 of the last 17 meetings. Yeah, so just just hang out close to me and, and nobody will ever uh, think that you're old. So that's <laughs> that's a good way to take care of that problem. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is crazy how one sided uh, the rivalry has been recently, especially since for most of that time. Florida hasn't been all that good. I mean, really, since Urban Meyer left, um, I don't want to say they haven't had good teams, but they certainly haven't been dominant. And it, you know, there have been many years where it seemed like it was a pretty even matchup. So, yeah, it is it is one of those that I, I can understand if Tennessee fans just kind of have a mental block about it because there, there's so many of these years they felt like that they could win or even should win, but just somehow found a way not to. So let me ask you this as, as we uh, – kind of go into this game what is the injury situation I know uh Cedric Tillman uh there's a little bit of a question there anything else that that, that's going on that we should be aware of yeah I mean Josh Heupel yesterday talked about kind of the overall injury picture said he's hopeful uh that all of those guys will be back and ready to go and obviously that includes Cedric Tillman I'm not sure if that's overly optimistic because that didn't look like a pleasant injury um last week against Akron where he kind of got hit low on a high throw from Hendon Hooker uh, Jabari Small is the starting running back. He went through full practice Tuesday, so it sounds like he's good to go. Um, but yeah, Cedric Tillman's obviously the big one that, that everyone's going to be paying attention to. He's Tennessee's most talented receiver. Um, not the leading receiver right now because Jalen Hyatt is having such a good season. But yeah, Cedric Tillman, I mean, I don't know if it's a coin toss or what it is, but Josh Heupel's optimistic. I might be less so. <laughs> As someone who's who's watched this team not only through the offseason but now through three games, what do you think is the biggest unknown with Tennessee? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, offensive line is one to me. I don't know if that unit has been really tested yet. I mean, they put they played Pitt, which had a decent defensive front. Uh, I thought they did okay in that game, but I still want to see that unit. It's a very experienced unit, especially on the interior of the line. Um, I don't know that I trust the tackles fully at this point. Uh, Gerald Mincy is a first-year starting tackle at left tackle. Darnell Wright at right tackles played a lot of games. Um, I think he's he's kind of those swing guys, guard tackle guys that they've had at tackle throughout his his whole career for the most part. Um, I want to see how that unit holds up. I've been really impressed with how Tennessee's got after the quarterback through three games. I want to see them do that against top competition. Uh, And Florida has a good offensive front. They run the ball well. uh, So that's going to be a good test this week. But, yeah, I think – overarching it's the lines and then probably the defense as a whole just wanting to know what that unit is because it looks like it's a lot better than it was last year but Akron and Ball State aren't exactly the best barometers to know how good a defense is 
Right. Yeah. And then and then Pitt uh, obviously played the second half of that game without its starting quarterback. So you, you, you've got some certainly some some reasons to question uh, what you've seen so far from Tennessee. But most of it has has looked really good. How about on the Florida side? What are the Tennessee coaches and players saying that concerns them the most? What what it, what do they look at with Florida and feel like they've got to prevent from happening? Yeah, I think big play run bus has, has got to be the focus. Uh, Florida does run the ball well. They don't pass the ball effectively at all, uh, as we've all kind of seen and talked about with Anthony Richardson. Just They're one of three teams in the country without a passing touchdown uh, to this point in the season, which is kind of wild. More wild that USF is one of the other ones, and that's who Florida played last week. So hope you all enjoyed that game last week without any real aerial threats. Um, it was competitive, yeah. at least. It, it, was competitive. it was a great, great game. Balls didn't move a lot through the air. Yeah. Uh, definitely didn't move well through the air on USF's last field goal attempt either. Uh, so maybe that was part of it. But yeah, I, I think run busts. Um, the linebackers containing Anthony Richardson is going to be key because he is a guy that can really hurt you if he does get out and make plays in space. But they're going to run the ball. I mean, that's what that's what Florida's doing offensively. So that, that's got to be the concern. All right, Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel joining us here on Fourth and Manageable. Where this game fits into Tennessee's overall season, just com- you know, considering where the program is right now, is it a bigger deal to win this game or a bigger deal to lose this game? Oof, now that's a really good question. Losing this game, I think, would be damaging uh, on Tennessee's perspective. They're three and zero. You win this game, you head into open week, then you head to LSU. You're positioned well uh, right there at that point in the season to go into October. And you position yourself, frankly, well to potentially be 7-1 and one going into November, um, which is something Tennessee hasn't seen in a while. And that would be a huge situation for the program. So I, mean, I, think, I think it's more damaging to lose this one because you can feel the excitement. And there's also the reality, you kind of mentioned it earlier, uh, that Tennessee has had teams on par with Florida, maybe better than Florida, and still lost this game. This, to me, is the biggest gap where Tennessee is clearly the better team right now. Um, and you can't lose the game when you've clearly got the better team. They're about 10.5-point favorites, which you don't see in this rivalry, especially the Tennessee side of it. Yeah, it so caught me off guard when I saw that. Yeah. I mean, I, I expect them to be a comfortable favorite, but that mm-hmm. – that- I mean, I say it feels high, but if you ask me to pick one side or the other, I'm laying the points with Tennessee because they Florida the ball. has been so unimpressive in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they score the ball, and Florida has a harder time scoring. I mean, there, there's a path that you see for Florida to win this game because Tennessee has been a little bit more of a slow starter this year than they have been in previous – or last year under Josh Heupel uh, through those games. If Florida can get out there, score an early touchdown, kind of take control of the clock, I mean, there, there's a path to that, but – Tennessee scores so many points and looks so much as the superior team right now that losing this game, I think would be pretty damaging. You mentioned the possibility of starting seven and one. I assume you're, you're talking about a loss to Alabama there as as, as the one, but I'm curious just with the Tennessee fan base right now, as far as their level of belief, I mean, yeah, sure. A a 10 and two season is, is very doable. If you just, you know, beat everyone except for Georgia and Alabama how much at this stage do they actually believe that they could do more than that? How 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 high do they dare to dream? Man, I don't know about how high the dreaming is, but going into the season, you kind of heard that. You you could sense, you know, eight and four feels like it's got to happen, just given the schedule, the way it falls, uh, where some other programs are right now. And also just the optimism that built from Josh Heupel's first season. 
I mean, getting to a bowl game with that roster was an accomplishment. They lost two dozen-ish scholarship players after Jeremy Pruitt was fired. I mean, they, they had a very thin decimated roster last season. And what Josh Heupel came in and did was really impressive. So naturally, the expectations grew up. Um, and they've continued to just with the 3-0 start, talking about the number 12 team in the country. Uh, I mean, Tennessee is in a spot right now that they're positioned well to potentially have a really special first couple months and then find out what you're really made of in November. But yeah, the optimism is there and it's understandable. This is a fan base that went through the end of the Butch Jones era, which was just a disaster. And it went through three years of Jeremy Pruitt, averaging about 22 points a game every year. And now they're going to Neyland Stadium and seeing a team drop 50 on the regular. Um, so there's optimism just based on the fact that they're seeing a team that can score the football, which is not something they saw for the past three years, prior three years. Yeah, prior. right. And and so you mentioned, you know, the couple of coaches right before Heupel, but going back for, I mean, all the way back to Lane Kiffin, as you know, I mean, basically since Philip Fulmer, there, there's been this this revolving door and all this inconsistency. How much belief is there among the fan base that Josh Heupel is the answer and that if he has success, he's going to stick around? Yeah, you know, this fan base is interesting because there's always that hunger. I mean, this is the fan base that, you know, feels like 98 is something you hear. You, you walk to these games and you see 98 jerseys all over the place. <laughs> I mean, that's just this fan base is hungry to get back to that level. Uh, and you mentioned just the coaching turnover. There's been so much of it, so much inconsistency in that role, so much close to success, but not quite getting to the success. Specifically, Butch Jones' era, there were you know a couple of years there, nine win seasons. There's a belief that Josh Heupel can win games here, and he's shown that, um, which is interesting because coming in, he's not. He wasn't the biggest name hire. Um, obviously, came with Danny White, who was his AD at UCF. So there's just kind of a, all right, what's going to come of this? But the thing that Josh Heupel does that allows him to win games and should bring optimism is, again, the points. Scoring is the equalizer, and football has become a game of scoring points. You I mean, you see what Alabama's doing with Nick Saban. He's adapted, changed what he does, because that's the era that college football is in right now. Josh Heupel won games last year because of the fact that his offense could score. They didn't have enough talent to win games, but they won because their offense can score. As he gets more talent in here and continues to have an offense that can score points that way, it's going to be really interesting to me to see what level this gets to, because I do think it can get to a double digit win type program because Tennessee has all the resources, all the access to talent to do that uh, on the regular basis. The problem is every year you play Georgia and Alabama as two of those games, yeah. which when that's probably the two best programs in college football right now and in recent history, you have to play them every year. So yeah, it's brutal. Almost look at a 10 and two ceiling uh, in those seasons because you've got to play those two programs. And that's assuming that you don't go and lose a game to a Kentucky, which is a good program. Florida is always going to be good. So th there's a bar there that's hard to eclipse. Yeah. Well, I mentioned earlier that I'm old. Uh, I was at that 1998 season national championship game working it for ESPN. So, uh, and, and I can tell you, it feels like a long time ago. I'm sure it feels even longer for the Tennessee fans. We'll see if this is a season uh, that they end up making some sort of step back toward feeling like they could get there again. Well, uh, Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel, thanks a bunch for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me.